The following Dharma talk was given at Common Ground Meditation Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota. The speaker is Mark Nunberg, guiding teacher at Common Ground. You may be surprised to see so many people here, but actually, you know what's really surprising, I think? Maybe some of you will agree that as a human being, one of the most obvious characteristics of being a human being is that we have what we call a mind or heart, whatever you want to call it, right? And it's not an insignificant thing that there's a mind here or a heart here, awareness here, right? I mean, it's, it's kind of big in terms of being a human being that we have a mind. But how many, like today, just, just we'll take today, how many of you today, just today, remember some moments where there was an authentic interest for your mind being interested in the mind? Right? It's relevant that we have a mind, but it's not that often that we actually are interested in the mind. We're just too busy, you know, just surviving or getting through the day, dealing with our relationships, earning a living, solving problems. I mean, I know there's like books about the mind, and there's, but a lot of the ways that when we are interested in the mind, we do something that comes out of our sort of materialistic and scientific mode, which is we think we're, we can study the mind objectively. You know, we read a book about the mind. But the interesting thing and the relevant thing is the mind is a subjective experience, not an objective experience. The mind that's relevant is the mind that I'm experiencing. Right? We're experiencing, we're experiencing life through the mind, with the mind, all day long, and this is a subjective experience, and it's something we can get interested in. And what the Buddha discovered, and many people since the time of the Buddha, is that it's really relevant. In fact, it's the most relevant thing for us in the most straightforward way to use our mind to study the mind. And again, you could use the word heart if you prefer, and in this practice that we do and the way the Buddha talked about things, mind and heart are really the pointing to the same thing. Of course, there are different qualities of the mind, qualities of the heart. So I'm not saying it's just one thing, but there's this capacity to be aware, to be sensitive, to feel, right? So that's what we mean in part. That's what we mean about the mind or the heart. And it's relevant. And in particular, we find, although we generally don't believe this initially, so you know, just be willing to check it out, we normally think that my stress, my happiness, my unhappiness is because of what's going on around me. But the more we use the mind to study the mind, use the heart to be sensitive to the heart, the more we realize <clears throat> excuse me, that our well-being, our happiness and our un- unhappiness has a lot to do with how the mind is, like how the mind is relating in the present moment. turns out to be as important as anything else 
It may not be pleasant being an older person. It may not be pleasant being someone who is oppressed, taken advantage of, abused. It isn't pleasant to be abused or oppressed, manipulated, betrayed. But what our mind does with that, how our mind relates to difficult circumstance, how our mind relates to really pleasant, nice circumstance, turns out to be even more important than the particular circumstance. And again, this isn't something that you should just believe because I said it or the Buddha said something like that. But we should be curious about how significant the way the mind relates to the present moment, to whatever is happening, that it's really relevant in terms of the clarity, the well-being, our capacity to engage our life skillfully in a resilient, creative, responsive way. So that's really what we're doing. We're here because you know, in the great swirl of our lives, the complexity of our lives, the busyness of our lives, we had some sense that the mind has this reflective capacity to be self-aware, for lack of a better word, to be aware of the mind itself or aware of the heart itself. And to begin to discern that, boy, it's really relevant what the mind is doing, the kind of meaning the mind is constructing through its thinking processes and the way the mind is relating to this experience, the kind of story the mind is telling, the kind of mental qualities that are there, like is fear coloring the mind? Is greed coloring the mind? Is distractedness, delusion, denial coloring the mind, shaping the mind? Well, those are, that turns out to be more relevant than almost anything, like whether those qualities are there in the mind or not. You know, you might think it's really relevant where you, whether you put on this set of clothes or that set of clothes or decided to have lunch with this person or that person. But it's much more relevant to notice what the mind is up to, the kind of qualities are there. And the interesting thing is just the awareness of the mind, not you trying to fix your mind, just being aware of the mind in a non-judging, kind, honest, clear, and to some degree continuous way, turns out to be the most powerful intervention in your life. I mean, it's like shocking. Way back in... uh, you know, the, when the Tao Te Ching was written in China, this isn't a Buddhist text, it's a Taoist text, but some of you might have read it. It's quite famous, you know, several thousands of years old, this text. And in there, there's a, a particular passage about how the strongest thing is the softest thing, right? And it talks about, as a simile, water. Right? Water is a pretty pliant, you know, soft. You wouldn't think of water as being something that can do much until you see the Grand Canyon and you realize that given enough time, 
water is capable of cutting a mile deep groove in the earth. And awareness is something has a similar property in this sort of being a solvent, loosening, releasing, revealing, opening up, allowing what has been bound up, wound up to unwind, to unbind, right? This is the deep healing, spiritual healing process that we're all kind of intuitively attracted to, but we just haven't gotten very clear about it. We think, I got to get in there and fix myself in the same way that we think that about our partners. Like, I got to get in there because this person isn't the kind of friend, the kind of partner, the kind of boss, the kind of teenage child that's good or right, you know. But we just end up making things worse. I mean, as a country, we do that too. We got to invade and fix this. You know, it's not safe, it's not okay. And we end up making it worse over and over and over again. And we do the same thing with each other and we do the same thing with ourselves. So what we learn basically through making a lot of mistakes is giving up on the world, giving up on ourselves, that doesn't work. Nor does it work to sort of have this aggressive stance of I'm going to fix myself, I'm going to fix the world, I'm going to fix you. That doesn't work either. So the Buddha, from studying his own mind, realized that the ultimate intervention that does, in fact, allow for healing and change is this deepening of understanding. Like, if the basic problem is that we misunderstand, the resolution of that problem is to understand more clearly the way it is, what's going on. Therefore, it makes pretty much Uh, makes a lot of sense that then what a human being would want to cultivate is a clear, continuous, present moment awareness. Because basically we're collecting data, present moment data. There's a, the mind is looking at what's actually most relevant. It's the mind is then being trained to look at what the mind is doing, what qualities are there in the mind, Wholesome qualities, not so wholesome qualities. In a continuous way, we're using the mind to observe the mind. And you'll find, in the, even in these six weeks, that you can be mindfully aware of what's happening and ride a bike, drive a car, have a conversation, chop vegetables, do your job, breathe in, breathe out, walk here, from here to there. Actually, you end up doing all these mundane tasks related to being a human being better when you're mindful. I mean, we can do things on automatic pilot, too. But we tend to, (laughs) you know, we don't learn anything, for one. We just basically do what we've done before and get what we've gotten before in terms of the results of doing our relationships on automatic pilot, doing our job on automatic pilot, doing everything on automatic pilot. So what we're doing is we're addressing the problem, which is we're responding, we're doing life in ways that cause us stress and cause those around us stress. 
So we're saying, okay, something's missing. I don't really know what it is, but the Buddha says what's missing is understanding. Like, I'm living, but I'm not living, I'm not choosing, acting in accordance with the way, with the way things are. I'm living my life, making choices based on the way I think things are. Right? So, because it's not working, and because I'm suffering to some degree, I'm going to go back to square one. I'm going to put more energy in being aware, mindfully aware, continuously aware of the present moment, so that my understanding is transformed based on present moment awareness. So the way the mind constructs meaning, the way the mind thinks, the kind of view, beliefs, whatever you want to call it, that we have are basically being forced to be in alignment with the way it is. We're paying attention, not in a superficial way, but in a simple, non-judging, kind way. We see how things are unfolding. We see the conditional or lawful karmic nature of how cause and effect nature of how things unfold. Oh yeah, this is how it works. This is how it is. Ah, we begin to understand, oh, that's why me and my partner keep banging our heads, right? Oh, I get it. I push this person's button, they push my button, and before we know it, we've got a problem. We can do it for decades with the dear ones in our lives, your cat, your dog, your partner, your friend, your sibling, your parent. And we just keep repeating the same thing, the same patterns, getting the same results. Why? Because we haven't cultivated a non-judging, present moment, continuous present moment awareness, where we see the roots of all of the holes we fall into, like how that happened. Things just don't happen from outer space, it's lawful. If we end up with a really heavy heart, there were supporting causes to have a really heavy heart. If we end up enraged all the time, if we end up greedy, needy all the time, there are causes for that. Do we know what they are? They can, it's, not, it's not like rocket science. It just requires one thing, continuity of present moment awareness. So in our formal sitting time, you know, like if you're going to take the class, it would be really good to put a little time in every day. I mean, what's the point of, it's not like something to appreciate intellectually. We actually have to train the mind. If we just follow the mind, the habits of the mind, we just keep getting what we've always gotten. So if we want things to be different in our lives, we actually have to pick up and engage in new training. We're training the mind in the continuity of present moment awareness. So when you sit down to do your formal meditation time, you're basically formally training what you want to do all day long. But the formal meditation means you're creating the optimal conditions. You're sitting in a comfortable way, in a place where you won't have too many distractions, right? at a time of day that works for you, so that you have simple conditions to train in the continuity of present moment awareness. And I'll be giving you different techniques and 
I and everyone else who shares in this group will be sharing about what gets in the way of the continuity of present moment awareness and what to do with those things that get in the way of continuity of present moment awareness, like getting sleepy, getting the EBGBs and getting restless, you know, having doubt, wanting things to be different than they are, being bored, being aversive, painful memories, knee pain, back pain. These are the things that show up. And then we'll learn, well, what do you do when those things show up? Because they show up also during the day, right? So whatever, generally, whatever we're going to face practicing the continuity of mindfulness during the day shows up in our formal sitting time, maybe 15 minutes, maybe 20 minutes a day. Maybe if you're fortunate, you can get in 40 minutes or 60 minutes. That would be great. Maybe you need to do some walking practice instead of just all that time sitting, depending on your body, and I'll talk about that maybe even tonight before we end. But to commit to doing some formal training, even if you had a really busy day, and it's 10 o'clock, and the kids are in bed, and you're exhausted, still get to your chair, get to your meditation cushion, do at least a few minutes. Because following up on that intention to practice every day, if you follow up, if you actually do something based on that intention, the intention will get stronger and clearer. If you practice not following up with the intention to practice every day, you'll get better at not practicing every day. Right? Same thing, like if you next Tuesday, you know, you think, oh, this is great, but not, not next week, you know, not tonight. Well, then you'll get good at avoiding doing the practice. But if you make yourself come next Tuesday, even though you don't want to come, then you'll get good at avoiding cultivating mindful awareness. It's, uh, you know, more and more now the, in psychology departments around the country, they've been doing research on changing habits. And habits are surprisingly hard to create, new habits. You really have to persist. And one of the things that helps is uh, community. Like I notice, Lewis, who's one of our teachers and longtime leaders here, you know, he brought some friends. It's like community, it really matters. So we're a community. Now, it's a big community. It's easy to feel anonymous. But look around the room, and if you don't come back, other people are going to feel like they don't have to come back. No, you might have sick kids and you have to stay home or you have a business trip or some, you know, pipes broke in your house and you've got to get them fixed. Fine. So don't come back. That's why we record the talks. So I recorded last fall. Those talks are already up. Everyone who registered got an email this afternoon with the links to the talks from last year and the handouts for this class. If you didn't register for this class, that means you're not going to get the handouts. But you can find them because they're on the website. Look for this class under programs on our website, and there will be the link to all the intro materials that you can use. So just find this introduction. If you have a hard time, send us an email, and somebody from the office will help you track down the classes. And if you miss a couple, you still can come back. Don't, don't feel like, oh, I missed a couple. I'll do it later. Take the class in a year when things are easier. It's never easier. Life is busy and difficult, and this will really help, right? But you have to do the work. You have to show up, 
You have to listen. You have to reflect about what you've heard. You don't have to remember everything you've heard. Just a few nuggets from each class will kind of stick. Everything else will be on some shelf somewhere in the mind. That's fine. But the few things that stick, then sort of chew on them and chew on them in terms of your present moment experience. So immediately apply what's interesting from what I've said or what you've read in terms of the materials. Relate that to your present moment experience. So you're getting in the habit, all your insight, all the momentum you're going to gain is when you take your awareness and you turn it back on the mind, on the heart itself. You get interested in the heart and mind. You use awareness, present moment awareness, mindful awareness, to be aware of what the mind is doing. This can be a simple question, more for your daily life practice, but also in your formal sits. What's the mind doing? That's such a simple question. We should be interested in that question. Like, what is the mind doing? What's the mind aware of now? You see, like when you ask that question, what does the attention do? It goes from like looking around the room or wondering who this guy Mark is at the front of the room to like, what is the mind doing? Right? The attention goes back on the mind itself, on the heart itself. Initially, you might feel a little self-conscious, like I'm not so sure I should be looking at my own mind, my own heart. It's like, it's a little weird, but why? Why would that be weird? You know, is there greed in the mind right now? Is the mind calm or agitated? Right? Is there fear in the mind? Is the mind stable or agitated? Calm or agitated now? How is the mind's relationship with the body? Is it ignorant of the body, unaware of the body? Or is there some intimacy, some presence? with the ordinary sensations of sitting? Is the mind aversive with the sensations or accepting? I mean, these are all so relevant questions. We should naturally, given that we're living, right, we should be intimate with our life. But mostly, what are we? Lost in thought. Isn't that true? One of the great... um, Dharma teachers, Buddhist meditation teachers of the last century was asked to characterize like, like, how would you sum up the way it is now for most people? And his response was lost in thought. That to characterize like how it is for most people most of the time, human beings are lost in thought. Lost in thought means there's a thought but there's no reflective awareness. Oh, that's just a thought. Like I could have the thought, I'm not doing a very good job tonight, or I'm doing a really good job tonight. I could have one of those two thoughts. And if I'm not aware that that's just a thought, then I'm in that bubble. That's my reality. The worried person or the proud person but as soon as there's some awareness, there's some, it's like a refreshment, like, oh, that's just a thought. It's just a thought. Even something as profound as death, I'm going to die. You know, but that's a thought. 
I'm not saying I'm not going to die, but that right now, I'm going to die. And maybe there's uh, an emotion that comes up with it, like fear or anxiety or whatever it might be. But in this moment, what is it? Well, it's a thought. And what is a thought anyway? It's not too much of anything. I mean, just think, you might as well, because I brought it up, even though it's a little morbid, I'm going to die. Have that thought go through your mind a few times. But just notice what it is as a thought. And if there's a feeling associated with it, notice that whatever that you know, crunch is, that's just what it is. It's just that feeling being known. It's pretty light, isn't it? But when we're in the bubble, like we're not aware that it's just a thought, it could be very heavy. Or maybe, you know, you don't care about that, but if I said, your cat's going to die someday, or your dog's going to die someday, or, you know, whatever. That would be, the mind tends to get entrapped in whatever meaning it constructs, either because a memory has come up out of the past, or something triggers some thought, or Somebody insults you or something beautiful happens to you, wonderful happens to you, and it sort of trips us into some mental content. And then the mind, through the process of identification or attachment, it gets lost in the content. And then basically it's like being in a a dream. Some of the dreams are very beautiful and enlivening, and some of the dreams are nightmares. And it's pretty much the same in our waking life with the different thoughts that come and go, right? But with mindful awareness, one of the, the telltale signs of developing this mindful awareness is just that beautiful, liberating sense of space or spaciousness or what we sometimes call in Buddhism equanimity or freedom. Oh, it's just a thought. It's just a feeling being known. It's just a thought being known. It's just a situation happening. It's like Hurricane Irma. Maybe we're down there or maybe we're here and it's going to be bitterly cold and we'll get one of those, what do they call them, polar vortexes this winter here in Minnesota, you know, where it doesn't get warmer than 15 below for five days in a row or something like that. Okay, this is being known. Not the story, but like the bitter cold touching the skin or breathing in and not, you know, or having to shovel or whatever it might be. Okay, now it's like this. This is being known. We just do what needs to be done, but we don't lose that sense of space. Now, it's hard to really get a sense of how functional how light, how much lightness comes, how much nimbleness and intimacy comes from this approach to living until you just practice it. You've got to practice it formally when you do your daily sit, informally all day long. Continuity of present moment awareness. So when you forget, you have a few things to remember. What am I doing? Continuity of present moment awareness or mindful awareness. And initially, just remember two qualities, and I mentioned them in the guided sit, and we'll do some more meditation in just a moment after we stretch. 
So the two qualities for the first couple weeks to remember is in order to have the continuity of awareness, mindful awareness, you need two basic qualities. You need to be relaxed and you need to be alert. Now there are different aspects of the alertness, right? Like being bright, awake, you need energy, you need to be interested, right? So those are different synonyms for being alert. And relaxed means you're accepting, you're trusting, you're letting things happen, you're not afraid, right? Alert and relaxed. So again, just this, you you don't have to remember much. What is this class about? Continuity of present moment awareness. It's not enough to be mindful in one moment. The real power that we get from present moment awareness is when there are periods of time where it's continuous. Now, initially, it may be like five or ten seconds where you have a pretty balanced, continuous present moment awareness, and then the mind gets distracted. It's okay. Eventually, you'll recognize the mind is distracted, and that moment you're not distracted. So don't get frustrated when you notice that you were distracted. Because in order to notice that you were distracted, you're not distracted anymore. You're aware, right? So that's a moment to be grateful. Oh, yeah, I was distracted. But now it's like this. This is being known. This is just the experience. The present moment awareness is knowing it's like this now, right? And you're back on track. And the interesting thing is can you sustain it for the next moment and moment and moment until you inevitably lose it? Because the habit of being lost in thought is as deep and wide as any habit, right? So we're going to get lost in thought. Don't pathologize it. Don't make it a big monster, these distractions or whatever, because they're going to happen anyway. Just be grateful when the awareness comes back online. Ah, it's like this. This is being known. This experience of the body is being known, or this knowing the mental activity is being known. Whatever it is, it's either going to be the body. By body, I mean the five physical senses, right? Seeing, hearing, smelling, touching, tasting. Or you're knowing the mind. Is there anything else you can know besides these two categories of things? No. There's nothing more than knowing the body, the five physical senses, and knowing the activity of the mind. So when you're back online, you'll just notice that something's being known. It's either the body, you're seeing something, hearing something, smelling something, tasting something, or aware of some touch, some sensation, or you're aware of some mental activity, emotion, mental image, mental thought, and that's all there is to our life. These five things being known, or the mind being known, the activity of the mind, right? So I'll distinguish activity of the mind from the mind that knows, just because it's two basic aspects of the mind, right? So we're distracted, and then eventually the mind realizes it's distracted. And in that moment of knowing that you're distracted, you'll know, like, well, the body was being known in that moment, or the mind's being known. And then you can come back to your basic training, and we call this an anchor or meditation object. So in the beginning of practice, it's really nice, once you've made peace with having been distracted, Okay, it's like this now, just like this. 
then it's nice to have something to do with your attention. So one thing I often uh, offer to people in the intro class, and it's just a, a basic solid technique for most people, is to use whole body awareness. I mean, you could use a specific place in the body, but it's nice to, gen, uh, to train the mind in being aware of the whole body together. So what I normally encourage people to do is notice the fact that you're breathing in, the body's breathing in, and use that as a cue, a reminder. Oh yeah, whole body feels like this. Sensations are like this. And then as you feel the breath going out, for the duration of the out-breath, just challenge yourself. Can there be a sensitivity, an awareness, present moment awareness, whole body feels like this now. Breathing in, sensitive to the whole body. Breathing out, sensitive to the whole body. Again, what are we doing? We're sustaining present moment awareness. Now we have a technique or a meditation anchor or a meditation object right, to come back to. But that's okay, because we'll still get distracted, but sometimes when we'll get distracted, we'll be aware, like a, a Harley Davidson drives down the street, loud sound, but the present moment awareness is fine. It goes, oh, hearing is being known, hearing is being known, right? And then the motorcycle's far enough away, so hearing isn't being known anymore, or at least it isn't provocative, so then the attention can come back to the anchor, the meditation object, breathing in sensitive to the whole body, while breathing out, sensitive to the whole body. And the two qualities that we're strengthening, alertness and relaxation. Okay, now you have a few things that you've learned. What are you doing? Continuity, present moment awareness. What are the two qualities that make this up? Alert and relaxed. What do I do when I don't know what to do? Come back to your anchor, breathing in, oh yeah, Sensitive to the whole body. Body's like this now. The body's being known. Sensation in the body's being known. And while you breathe out, it's just like a little cue, right? You notice, you're not controlling your breath, you're just noticing the breath is going out and you're just taking it as a reminder. Okay, sensitive to the whole body. Sustaining present moment awareness through the exhalation. Sustaining present moment awareness through the inhalation. And we're developing that muscle, that mental muscle of sustaining present moment awareness, which means the mind is alert and relaxed. And it's not so easy for the mind to be relaxed if the body isn't relaxed. And it's easier to help your mind to relax by reminding the body to relax. Because the mind and body, as you probably know, they mirror each other. It's not so easy to know how to relax the mind but it's relatively easy to know how to relax the body. So when you, you know, with that particular quality, the, the invitation to relax, start with your body and the mind will follow. And with the invitation to be alert, you know, it's like sitting up. Like, like the sense of, I'm right in the middle of my life. This is my life. You know, it is your life. This is only your life right now. Do you have the past anymore? Does the past exist for you anymore, anywhere? No, it's completely gone, the past. You may have memories of the past, but that will always be in the present. And do you in any way have the future yet? No, you only have this. So that alertness, it really comes from understanding that the present moment is relevant. 
And if we're practicing being distracted in the present moment, we'll be good at being distracted for all the present moments, right? If we're tight in this present moment, we'll be really good at being tight in all the present moments. So we want to be relaxed and we want to show up. We want to be alert right here. Okay, let's stretch our legs and then we'll do some more practice. So we'll just stand. And while we're standing, I'll just mention, because it may be really relevant for some of you, to do walking meditation. And one of the handouts is about walking meditation. So track those handouts down, maybe print them up for yourself so you can read them and have them available. And then uh, find a hallway, or if you have a private yard, a shaded spot in your backyard or something like that, where you won't feel self-conscious. You don't want to just immediately you know, learn how to do walking meditation by walking around one of the lakes or walking through one of the parks. Because generally, the nice thing about having a lane is if you get distracted, you'll get to the end of your walking lane, and that will remind you that you're doing walking meditation practice. But if you're walking around Lake Harriet, which is, you know, whatever, three and a half miles, you'll get lost in thought, and then you won't realize you were lost in thought until you get to the, you know, back to your car or whatever. So you don't need that many steps. 12 steps, 15 steps. I mean, in a perfect world, you'd have a nice 40-foot walking lane in your backyard under some shady tree or something. But just work with what you have, an uncluttered space in your apartment, a place outside that's not too public. And you just walk back and forth. You stand at one end. You know where the beginning, you know where the end is, hands in a comfortable way. And you just start walking at a normal pace. Unless you have a very short space, then you're going to need to walk slower. Otherwise, it, you just get to the end too fast. It'll get frustrating. And instead of your breath being the anchor, for walking practice, often it's the contact, right? Each time the foot connects with the floor, it's such an obvious sensation. So to sustain present moment awareness, you try to be there for that contact. You know, so you could just, even if you want to use a word, you could say placing, 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 placing. And when you get to the end, standing, standing, turning, 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 standing, placing, 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 like that. And you can use a word, we call it a meditation word, right? And you can use those words when your mind needs a little bit more help staying in the present moment. Because if you give the thinking mind a word to repeat, like placing or breathing in, sensitive to the whole body, right? it's not so easy to, to worry or plan when your mind has to say, breathing out, sensitive to the whole body, or placing, placing, standing, turning. So it's just a technique. It's a technique that can drive yourself crazy when you don't need the mental noting right, to label what you're doing. But sometimes the mind is really busy. And giving the mind a mental note, giving the thinking mind something to do, can help you settle down. But then when you don't need the mental noting, whether you're doing your sitting practice or your walking practice, then drop the mental noting. You're still noticing the step, 
or you're noticing the breathing in and feeling the whole body, but you're not cueing yourself with words. Does that make sense? So we call this sort of technique mental noting or mental labeling. And you can do it during the day. Like if you notice your mind is obsessively planning, you could just drop in, not in a judgmental way, oh, planning. You could just say that word in your mind, planning. And it's like creates a frame around the present moment experience where the awareness sees, oh yeah, it is planning. It's just planning being known. So the label, the mental note, is like putting a frame around the present moment experience. The note itself is not important. What's important is awareness, knowing that it's like this. Right? That reflective awareness is what's important. So we've had some time to stretch our legs, so now we can sit and we'll do another guided meditation, and then I'll take a few questions before we end. So again, just sit in a way that's comfortable tonight, and I'll talk more about sitting next week. This talk, like all programs at Common Ground, is offered freely in the spirit of generosity. To learn more about Common Ground and its programs, or if you would like to donate, please visit our website, www.commongroundmeditation.org. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.